Golden State Warriors basketball. This is the Mark Jackson Show. I don't go with what the norm is. My goal from day one is to not be an average coach. Pull up three. Good. Now here's Mr. T on the Sports Weekly. Rado Tom Tolbert with you. We're outside the public house getting ready for the Giants and the A's. It's time to talk with head coach of the Golden State Warriors, Mark Jackson, presented by Stanford Hospital and Clinics, the official team physicians of the Golden State Warriors. To learn more, visit StanfordHospital.org. And brought to you by Bryant Heating and Cooling. Jack, what's going on, man? Everything's great. Uh, we were talking about this a little earlier on today. Uh, a lot of times after a loss, coaches or players will just say, we didn't give the effort tonight. And I don't know if I buy that all the time. I think that's just a, kind of an easy way to say, you know, we lost, leave me alone. Let me go home and uh, grab some food. I mean, really, there's not a lot to it to me other than maybe you guys didn't play as hard as you'd like them to, but you guys didn't shoot. I mean, you guys are a team that relies on shooting from your best shooters. Three of your best shooters didn't shoot very well last night. And that was the main reason you guys lost. Am I incorrect? Well, you're right about that. That had something to do with it. But I thought at the end of the day, also, our, our offense, our inability to knock down shots uh, affected us and how we defended. And we're a team that, you know, normally that doesn't take place. But it changed the way we defended when we no longer knocked down shots. You know, a guy like Isaiah Thomas, who can score the basketball, but we never got him out of rhythm and made him uncomfortable. Is there ever, and, and I asked Tom this earlier, and he, he didn't know the answer, which should come as no surprise to you. <laughs> a lot of stuff I don't know the answer to. Um, is there, and I don't know a better word than this, is there an allowable number of games where you can say, my team did not have sufficient energy to be competitive just because of the nature of the schedule? And if there is a number of games where you could say that without feeling like your team is not trying hard, what is that number? Well, I don't know the exact number, but as a former player, um, there are days where you just don't have it. And there are, there are days where the opposing team just is more livelier and making shots and has got more bounce. That's just the way it is. That's the way the schedule works. Uh, but the difference between the good teams and the bad teams is the good ones have minimal amount of those days. And our job is to make sure that we – you know, we bounce back and, 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 and don't have those days, especially closing out the season. You know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I agree with you on on Isaiah Thomas. I mean, he got very comfortable in that game and stayed comfortable pretty much throughout the course of the game. But would you agree with this, that that being said, that if those three guys just shoot average or if you have one guy shoot normal, you guys still win that game with the type of effort you put out there? Yeah, I agree with that, uh, especially because of the fact that uh, we missed open shots. I mean, Clay Thompson had open shots. Yeah. He was coming off down screens, and, and I thought it affected him a little bit. But, you know, those are shots that, you know, you give Steph Curry and Clay Thompson those type of looks, you're going you're gonna to lose ball games. I know what I wanted to ask you, but I, I can't believe I remembered it. And it may not be as exciting to everybody else, but I'm very excited for myself. Uh, <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank Nicely you. played. I was watching, uh, I was out there uh, doing the game Monday with Tim. It was a Laker game. And I want to say it was the end of the 
end of the half, I believe it was, and you guys had a chance to take the last shot of the half, and I think Jack penetrated in. It may have been Landry. I'm not positive, but he shot the ball and I dunked it with like six seconds left, and I thought, well, I guess if you're going to get a dunk, you go ahead and take it, but I always like making sure the other team doesn't get a chance to score. Well, then you fouled Howard, put him on the free throw line, and I thought to myself, did you do that on purpose? Did you say if we can get a quick shot, we'll take it and then foul him and get a two-for-one that way? Well, actually, um, I don't remember the, uh, the the first play that, that we had it at the end. If I remember correctly, Steph had the basketball and went early. Um, but either way, we scored. Um, we wanted to nurse it all the way down. Okay. We did not, and we scored early. Then all of a sudden you think about it and you you go with the odds. You know, I'd rather have Dwayne Howard shooting two free throws than Kobe Bryant dribbling the basketball, uh, getting the last shot of the half. Well, I was just playing the numbers, and I mm-hmm. thought you know, it was the right thing to do. Unfortunately, it worked out for us. No, I thought it was a great thing to do. I thought it would have been even better if you just said, absolutely, Tom, that's what I wanted to do. Go early, foul, get a back score again. I'm the man. I feel so much. I feel so much better knowing that you, you know, you give me the thumbs up. <laughs> Absolutely. Did, 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 does that typically keep you awake at nights, wondering if Tom's signing off on your deal? That's when I know that I'm doing a good job. When Tom Tobit says correct decision made, I, I, I just forget about everything else. Man, Please. if that's the bar you got to clear, you are in the wrong profession. <laughs> Hey, something uh, philosophical, Jack. We're talking to the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, Mark Jackson, uh, joined us courtesy of the Ring Central guest line. The Lakers got back into the game on Monday, which was it wasn't a huge surprise. I mean, they're they're well, I want to say good. They're a decent enough basketball team, but it's the NBA. I mean, it happens in the NBA a lot. It's rare where you just throttle a team for a full forty-eight minutes and win going away. That being said. What's the point at which you say the lead is big enough that now we can start maybe milking a little time off each possession, that we're not going to be as aggressive as we had been to get us this league? And I've always kind of debated that with people, uh, thought about it to myself, what lead's big enough, at what time is it uh, close enough to the end of the game where you do that? Do you have a kind of a feel for when you'd like to say, okay, that shot was good in the first quarter, but we're up so-and-so with so-and-so left, Let's go ahead and work 15, 20 seconds off before we shoot it. No, it's a great question. And I think that the answer for, for, for me is this is a different basketball team. If I was coaching a veteran basketball team that had success, that understood, you know, time and score, that, un- that you know, then all of a sudden, all right, we understand we're up. Let's milk the clock. Let's execute our offense. Uh, with a young basketball team that has not experienced success, that all of a sudden is sitting in a game where, we put the pressure on the Lakers. We started off aggressive. The worst thing you can do as a coach is to all of a sudden say to them, well, now we're going to try to milk it. Now we're going to slow it down. Because then they look at and you're running four corners and you start turning down shots and you wind up not getting better shots. So what I try to do is have this team keep, keep their foot on the gas pedal. We want to push the basketball. and We want to run quality offense, but we want to make sure we get good looks. Would it be something, because I've always thought the two-minute mark was about a, seemed like a good line to me, because I've seen teams, you know, try to get to that four-minute mark and then coast on in, and if the other team makes any kind of a run, it's hard to put the car back in gear. You get yourself out of rhythm, and it's hard to get back in rhythm, and now they have momentum, and you find yourself, like, uh, limping toward the finish line. I mean, I've always thought two minutes was a good 
I mean, I, good. You could have a 25-point lead, 12. I mean, they're different scenarios. But just, you know what, play the way you play. Play the way you played to get this lead. And then at the two-minute mark, we'll decide what we want to do at that point. So what I try to do is, is put a bug in the air, of whether it be Steph Curry or Jared Jack, whoever's initiating the offense, just so that they know what I'd like to do is to milk some clock, to eat some time, and then run an offense. I don't want five guys out there making a conscious effort uh, of what the score and the time is. You know, I'd rather have the guy that's the extension of me on the floor and uh, allow him to direct it. How do you go about – I'm curious what the coaches you had, Jack. Uh, when I played, it was – Nelly was my first coach, and he gave Timmy Hardaway a couple – a couple of series to run after we got through running the fast break and then early offense. If we didn't have anything, Timmy would get us into some some plays. I'm curious, as a point guard, did you mind if a coach, you had to look at the coach and he told you what to run every time down? Did you want to be able to just go out there and play and be kind of the coach on the floor and say, I got this? And, and how, does that, uh, how does that work with you and Steph? I'm just curious like, how you like to work that as far as like what we're going to run and how much leeway you give your point guard and how much leeway you had when you were playing. Well, I was fortunate enough as a player where I played with coaches that allowed me to call the offensive sets, allowed me to pretty much be the quarterback and audible. Once in a while, a coach would say he wanted a particular uh, set ran, but overall, I called my own sets. Um, uh, with, with Steph Curry and I, uh, this year for the first time, he calls every first play of the game. So every game, the first play is Steph Curry's call. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, he runs the offense. Now, if I want something ran, I'll yell it out. Or I'll, I'll tell him during a free throw or a dead ball situation. But if I call a play and Steph calls a play, his play overrides anything I call. I have extreme confidence in him, and uh, he's done a great job of running this basketball team. Why do you think the NBA, and I know I'm asking you to speak for a lot of other coaches here, but or maybe not. I mean, you, you may have talked about this during your broadcasting days that do you think the rise in salaries has anything to do with coaches being more involved in games and maybe when we were playing that they have to justify their existence and justify the salary they're making so they have to be involved in everything, offensive call, defensive call, every single time down the court? Because I always thought a coach should coach and then trust his players to go out there and do what he coached them to do during the week. But have you seen that shift as I've seen it, that more coaches kind of get involved in the – you know, up and down the court more than they used to? Well, I'll probably, you know, this is probably not the political correct answer, but at the end of the day, I think it's not just the rise in salary, but also insecurity. I've got to sell the fact that I'm running everything, and I'm in control, and that's not the, you know, my school of thought, and that's not how I try to do it. You know, at the end of the day, this is a player's league, and you win and lose with the talent and the commitment of your players, not the brains of your head coach. Was that always your view, um, even as a player, or were there? Well, I guess give me the give me the uh, the extremes on each end that that you played for the guy who had to control everything, and the guy who basically gave players the amount of intellectual freedom they deserved. I think you know when when I played with the better teams, those coaches, uh, rightfully so gave us the, the leeway to, to, to run the offense and run the defense and compete. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, when you talk about coaches that's trying to run everything, uh, I got to sell to you that I'm working my tail off. I got to sell to you that I'm, 
in the gym at six o'clock in the morning and I'm leaving the gym at midnight. That's not that's not going to win or lose a ball game. You know, it sounds good for you know a radio show and it sounds good in an article, but at the end of the day, uh, I can come at six in the morning and, and leave at midnight, and Steph Curry or Clay Thompson could even make missed shots. It boils down to that, and it boils down to executing. I don't have to stay up late to know what the Lakers are going to do in pick and rolls and throw the ball to Kobe Bryant. So I think, it, you know, this is a player's league, and you win with talent. And certainly, you know, when you're talking about coach, you can make the proper adjustments and put your team in position to win. But you win with superstars, and you win with talent in this league. When we were playing against the Lakers, we went with the Clippers, what did you call your own number, like seven times in a row and shot a bunch of threes that game, I remember? <laughs> Uh, no, I would call. I would call uh, drop Tobert and just throw you the basketball and get out your way. Oh, please! Oh, I thought you when you said drop Tobert, you meant cut him. <laughs> <laughs> I still tell. I'm going to tell this story again, but that was one of my favorite uh, moments in the NBA. Was when Danny Manning and Ron Harper were suspended. They didn't get back to practice on time from an All Star game, and I got a chance to play thirty some minutes in a game at the Forum. And I remember the first quarter, I had like eight or nine points, but I was shooting like three for ten. I took ten shots or nine shots in the quarter. And Jack looked at me and goes, boy, if you're a go-to guy tonight, we are in trouble. <laughs> I said, just keep feeding me, big dog. <laughs> the, the, distur- the disturbing thing about that is that you took it took you ten minutes to tell him that. That should have been self-evident at the National Anthem. <laughs> We did have a good time, though. You know what that was? And, and You'd I, have to. I think we got beat by 20, but I got enough shots at the end of the game. I started singing, one shining moment. <laughs> it was a great moment for me with the Clippers that year. <laughs> hey, Jack, before I let you run, even though you I mean, you lose the game, was, uh, was Carl Landry's play a silver lining in that he hasn't had one of those games in a while, and he came out ultra-aggressive, scoring on the block, going to the – going to the backboard, going to the rim, getting to the free throw line. I thought that was one of his better games in a while. And if you're going to close this thing out and then do some damage, you're going to need that kind of play from him, I would assume. Yeah, it was very good to see. You know, he, has, he hasn't done that in a while. And, uh, you know, teams have made the adjustment. And also, we've, we've ran a lot of offense through him and put a lot of pressure on him and pretty much wore him out. Uh, so uh, it's good to see him getting his legs back. And, you know, we can run offense through him because down the stretch and come playoff time when the game – slows down, we're certainly going to need his ability to score the basketball. Jack, always a pleasure. Always a lot of fun talking to you, and I will see you out at the uh, arena next week sometime, ma'am. Absolutely. Good talking to you guys. All right. Take it easy, Jack.